This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. It's another episode of the Equalizer podcast. Hard to believe August is about to be in the books. And we've got NWSL news this week as the league will indeed restart and have a brief fall series. Each team will play four games, two home, two away. We'll get to that in a little bit. Also, one of those teams, Utah Royals FC, which was front and center in the NWSL Challenge Cup. There will be new ownership in Utah. We'll get to that a little bit later as well. But on Sunday, the uh, UEFA Women's Champions League finished up. And if you missed it, well, it was the same ending as the last four prior to this one. And that is Lyon winning. This time they defeated Wolfsburg 3-1. to one. I'm Dan Lawletta, by the way. I've got Rachel Krigger, who did a superb job in the hosting chair last week. Also, Emily Dolhanty. Rachel and Emily have been... Uh, covering the Champions League for us over the last week. Uh, we all did take in the final. And, uh, Rachel, I'll come to you first. But my f- basic thought watching this game was, nobody did anybody, like, did Wolfsburg have the time wrong for the start of this game? Because they did not play in the first half like they were trying to win a trophy. <laughs> I thought Ali Wagner nailed it at ha- on halftime on the CBS All Access. Tactics don't matter when you're not actually playing hard and, and picking up people in the box and stuff like that. I, it was pretty poor early. Yeah, I, I think you said it well. I think, you know, I totally agreed and I appreciated Ali Wagner coming out and just being straight up and honest and saying, you know, they need to wake up. They need to get the ball rolling. Um, no pun intended. Um, see, I'm I laugh at my own jokes. Um, but um, yeah, I think it was. I'm not gonna lie to you. The first half of the game, I thought it was really boring. There were a couple chances from Leon. Of course, there's gonna be chances. There were a lot of um, set pieces, uh, specifically corners that were conceded early on to Leon um, by Wolfsburg. But I thought for the most part. Uh, it, it was a pretty boring first half. Um, yeah, you had two goals, but I think the second half was really where all the action came from. And I thought that it definitely picked up the pace. But yeah, I, I don't know what was going on with Wolfsburg. I don't think, you know, when they, this is the third final between these two teams in, in what, five years. So I don't think there's, and there shouldn't be any nerves or anything because, you know, it's, third final in five years and it's obviously different without the crowd and stuff like that but I mean it's still you know you're still going out there and you're playing the game so I was um especially after a really good semi-final performance against um Barcelona I was really surprised that Wolfsburg was was that slow on the second goal killed the game because you can have a poor half and you're down one nothing that's kind of okay but when you concede late 
in the half like that, and mm -hmm. it was a great goal by Kuma guy. But uh, is anybody going to defend on that entire sequence? And the answer seemed right. to be no. And then it's two nothing instead of one nothing. And yet Wolfsburg mm -hmm. made it interesting, and they got the goal back. But I never felt like they were on. I guess there was the one shot in that Renard came over and deflected, and it went wide, not by too much. But I never really felt like Wolfsburg were going to tie this game. Emily, what were your thoughts on the game, watching the game? Yeah, I thought the same. And to Rachel's point about um, like all the corners that Wolfsburg gave up, I thought it could have been worse than two nothing after the the first half. Like just beginning the game, like it was like five minutes in, something like that. And um, Morosian like floated a free kick in, and like I know Wendy Renard is like what a foot taller than almost everybody on the <laughs> yeah. field, but she was so wide open. And her header went um, off target, but she had a few of those in the first half. It could have been three nothing um, leading to the half, and we wouldn't have even had a little bit of excitement in the second half. Um, but yeah, I agree. I mean, I thought we were getting something maybe in the second half. Um, it seemed like Wolfsburg kind of woke up. Really, <laughs> they took their caffeine pills or whatever at half. Um, and their intensity went up for a little bit, but then just dropped off again. Um, and yeah, I don't really know that they they really threatened for the equalizer um, in much of the, the last half an hour of the game. Um, and then obviously Leon got that, that third and it was completely done. Yeah, I just don't understand. And we've seen this in the NWSO with North Carolina Courage. It's, yeah, it's nice that they're the best team in the league, but they've also proven time and again that they have the mentality to go out there and win these big, important games and to be great every week. And Lyon seems to have that as well. And I think it might be harder for Lyon because Lyon goes into most of their league matches knowing that they can be terrible and win 4 nothing. They only have to show up maybe – half the time, maybe less than half the time for the matches that are really going to challenge them. And it was really disappointing to see Wolfsburg just not be there for the first half. And let's go to the first goal because, you know, everyone on social media is going gaga about the pass that Cascarino made. And it was a nice little move to get the ball, keep it from going over the end line and keep it in play. But it wasn't pinpoint right to Lace O'Mare. It was kind of out into space. There was Lace O'Mare. There were two Wolfsburg defenders Lace O'Mara got there first. Then she takes the shot. It gets saved. The rebound comes right out. But then she kind of goes in between two defenders. Nobody's putting their body on the line. Meanwhile, on the other end, you have Renard is going up for headers. She's going down and diving for headers. And that's the difference to me in this game is that Lyon played 90 minutes like this was the most important match they've ever been in. And Wolfsburg played the first 45 minutes like, I don't know if they were happy to be there or if they just didn't have the energy. Rachel, you said there shouldn't be nerves. I don't know if I agree because it's still a final, but you should be able to overcome it a lot better and a lot quicker than they did. Yeah, I guess that that's definitely um, a nicer way to say it for sure. Um, I, I think that, and you know, I, I guess to kind of retract my point, there are new players on the team, um, but there, I guess it was just something that I expected more from Wolfsburg. And, and I know their kind of style is to kind of sit back and just wait and get the counter attack, but that style doesn't always work. And I don't think it works against a Lyon team like this. And, you know, we were talking a minute off air about 
Um, you know, they were without their best goal scorer. They were without Hagerberg. They were without Amadine Henri, Nikita Paris because of the the red card and Jessica Silva. I think, I think she's injured. And, you know, there's all these offensive weapons that Emily's absolutely right. It could have been a lot worse for as much as they conceded, but I think Wolfsburg, there was just something that there, there. I expected more from them against a team that, and I'm not saying that Lay Sommer is like a, a second or third string player. There's absolutely I'm not. Um, but I just expected more. I expected, I guess, more press and not, not sitting back as much because you know, with a player like Lay Sommer who was you know injured and and she was just kind of finding her way back to fitness, um, and getting those minutes. It, it's like, well you know, you've got a little bit of help there that she's not full speed ahead. Why don't you go full speed ahead and try to try to make Leon tired or something? Cause at the end of the game, Leon definitely was getting tired. Right. I mean, I think you can sit back, but if you're going to sit back, you have to play it properly. You have to win the ball. If you're going to sit back and be passive about it, then that's just not going to work. And Leon, I think Leon showed in the th- all three games that they were vulnerable, but Nobody was able to actually get past them. There's still a tremendous, tremendous side. And, you know, Emily, let's look at the mm-hmm. circumstances surrounding this tournament. This was as vulnerable right. as Lyon could get because, A, oh, for sure. teams hadn't played in months. You know, there was no, there was one leg as opposed to two, which makes the upset a lot easier to pull off over 90 minutes than 180. Um, you know, mm-hmm. there was no home advantage. You know, it was all played in Spain. So, you know, you can look at it and say, well, they were vulnerable in this tournament, but you can also look at it and say, if you were going to beat them, this was probably about as good a chance as you were ever going to have. And nobody was able to do it. Right. And talking about kind of how they looked in these few games um, leading up to the final, I think Bayern actually gave them more more of a run for their money kind of and exposed – kind of their vulnerabilities um, in that game um, versus kind of their next two games against uh, PSG and Wolfsburg here in the final. Um, You're right. I think all those circumstances, it would have been the perfect storm to actually beat Leon this year. Um, But I think, again, it's just like a testament to their depth. Like we were saying before we started, you know, Leon, despite all those injuries, they're still the team that can bring, Jody Taylor and Vanda Sandin on in the 87th minute. You know what I mean? Um, so yeah, you forget they're even on the team. And then you yeah. know, I saw Vanda Sandin on the right. sideline. I was like, oh, yeah, they got her too. And, <laughs> right. And you're like, oh, oh, God, okay. Despite everything, you know, they have the depth still. So Absolutely. Now, l- now, let me throw this out to the both of you. Um, the UEFA has said that they're now looking into having – uh, one-off knockouts throughout the Champions League. And obviously it's whatever's best for the men will be what they do. And then the women will most likely follow suit with that. Um, I'll, I'll save my opinion, but what do you both think about having Champions League knockout rounds as one-offs? Yes. <laughs> um, yes. <laughs> I, I, <laughs> I, I want it for women's Champions League men's champions league. I want it for CONCACAF champions league. I want it for all competitions that are, you know, (laughs) in these tournament style, um, because you don't have, I mean, you don't have legs in a world cup. So 
I don't know. I just, yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think there's two ways to look at it, I guess. You know, the, the one, the one game knockout kind of format is more exciting. And like we were saying, the, the opportunity for upsets is so much greater than the home and away, um, you know, and especially, especially with a dominant team like Leon, you know, um, even if they were to be beat today, would they be beat twice in a row? You know, would they allow so many goals to be beat on aggregate, right? In a in a two um, two game tie, I'm not so sure. Whereas, you know, the one game knockout gives more of an opportunity. But having said that, I do always like a home and away. It's very class, so I'm not sure. I <laughs> think you I think you make a great point about the upsets, but I hate it. I want to keep the two leg format. Um, yeah. I've just I've kind of fallen in love with the two leg format over the years. You know, Rachel, to your point about the World Cup, let's keep it unique from the World Cup. You know, this is and there are actually um, multi leg World Cup qualifiers when you get into playoffs and whatnot. But we don't have to get too deep into the weeds there. But you know, I also I I look at it and you know again I, I hate to always look at the men's side, but the men's side is what the women are, are aspiring to, and these are major events and these you know these home legs are major events like i feel like it's really cool that if you get into the champions league quarterfinals or semifinals you're guaranteed a home game now i i assume they would do random draws for home games and they're not thinking about doing it you know in this bubble atmosphere that was you know necessitated by covid uh, but i i don't know i would want to have i would want to have both teams play home games and I do like the two leg format. I think the one, you know, the one off final and the predetermined site, I like that, but I'm, I'm all for the two leg for the two leg thing. I know it was in major league soccer and it didn't work out great. So maybe domestic fans have a kind of a sour taste in about there have been some epic second legs in some of these European competitions over the years. Plus the fact, tell me if you agree with this, the beginnings of the women's tournament are so dreadful that you're, I mean, you're only ha- it's really only the quarterfinals and onward that are worth paying attention to. So now you're going to boil it down to three games for the title. I don't, I don't like that. I like to, I want to see them work a little bit harder. Yeah, yeah. I think the potential for lopsided scorelines is a lot greater with the the two two game tie versus the one off. Yeah. Plus, we yeah. saw you know when the courage got eliminated. You know that was a great moment when they lost in the Challenge yeah. Cup. But then you know you get into the semis in the final and like well it'd be nice if the coverage we are because <laughs> soccer might be a little bit better than that how about leon winning it every year this is five in a row um i do feel like the landscape in europe is changing a little bit but are you okay with leon winning it every year you know do you root against them just on principle because they've won too much um i don't really i mean if they're showing up and they're spending money and paying players and you know, committing to getting the best players, then let them win, (laughs) you know, um, hopefully it will kind of spur other European teams on to spend money as well. Um, yeah, that's, that's my kind of feeling on that. If if they're spending, then they can win. (laughs) I don't, I don't have too much to add because I think you just said exactly what I was going to say there, Emily. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I mean, it's, it's fun to see these clubs, it's always fun to see like different winners and stuff like that. But I don't know, Leon just to me, they earn it. So as long as you're earning it, then I'm, I'm happy for him. 
Yeah, I'm with you both. Uh, you know, if you're if you can win five years in a row, that's fantastic. I mean, they beat PSG. Didn't that come down to the keepers took the last PKs in that final a few years ago against PSG? So, you know, the one kick goes the other way mm. and we're not looking at five in a row. Uh, you know, and if a right. you know, if a Cinderella team came up and won next year, that'd be great too. You know, I mean, the odds are it's not going to continue for that much longer because these games are getting tighter. And look at all, you know, Man City is spending all kinds of money. And, you know, I do think the European game is getting a lot deeper at this point. So, Dan, I, you're telling yes. me that a team from the Russian Premier League has a chance. That's exactly what I meant. Oh, I <laughs> who's, the best, who's the best women's team in Russia right now? And um, how far did they get in the Champions League? Let's let's go with CSKA and okay. probably between them and Lokomotiv. Okay, now if they played Lyon in a two-legged match, what, what, what's the score you think? You, I'm, I'm not going against my country like That's that. That's why you want the one, <laughs> the one-off because, you, right? Because you want. Because we have, yeah, because yeah, we'll have a chance. <laughs> I mean, look, I, you know what? I would love it if it happened. I really, really would. Uh, but we need a lot more investment in these things. But you know, they were talking on the broadcast that Lucy Bronze is rumored to be going back to Manchester City. Yep. And, you know, Manchester mm-hmm. City's going to be pretty good if that happens. They're going to be good already. I, you know, did you guys catch any of the Community Shield the other day? I saw highlights. I think Rachel watched, right? <laughs> I saw highlights. Okay. Uh, <laughs> sorry to disappoint. Sorry for calling you out. <laughs> uh, sorry to disappoint. I saw, like, the last 20, and I guess Man City was already down to 10 at that point in trailing, wow. but uh, I was watching Sam Mewis pretty closely, and she was just mm. uh, going through the motions a little bit. It's only her debut, probably wasn't super right. fit, super comfortable with her teammates, and they were playing with 10, but kind of a nondescript yeah. debut, in my opinion. For her. And I saw Jesse Fleming. Uh, Jesse Fleming got on for Chelsea a minute or two for her debut as well. Yep. And speaking of bronze possibly moving, um, harder they said is um, possibly moving to Chelsea as well. Interesting. Uh, England is coming right is coming. So yeah, that's going to be a fun fall to watch. um, Yep. And that season begins, that season begins in a week. So Mm -hmm. um, we'll uh, see how much coverage we can give that on the podcast. All right, we'll come back. We will take the conversation domestically NWSL. We're going to have fall games and we're going to have a new owner in Utah, not necessarily for the best of circumstances. So with Rachel and Emily, I'm Dan. I'll be back in a moment on the Equalizer podcast. Back on the Equalizer podcast, Dan Lawletta with Rachel Krigger and Emily Dolhanty. And a reminder to check out our web content at equalizersoccer.com or for premium content, equalizersoccer.com slash subscribe. And a reminder, too, that if you like what you hear on the podcast, please rate and review the Equalizer podcast today. And hopefully we'll have some good content for you as we get into the fall series, which actually kicks off this Saturday. Each team will play Two home and two away. The teams are broken down into pods of three teams each. There won't be any playoffs or anything. And yes, an awful lot of your favorite players are already overseas or may not want to play for other reasons. Though Alex Morgan with a little social media post suggesting that she was headed to training with the Pride. So maybe we'll get some Alex Morgan time in the next couple of weeks. But unfortunately, bigger news around the league and uh, 
again, this has kind of started off as a men's issue because the uh, Real Salt Lake team, which is owned by Deloitte Hansen, who also owns Utah Royals FC, plus the USL team, the Monarchs, they were one of several games last week that decided the players decided not to play. Everyone knows by now that most of the sports world took a pause. Another shooting of a black man. This one was in Wisconsin. The NBA again took the lead on it. Anyway, Deloitte Hansen then went on a local radio station and said he was felt disrespected by the players and that it was like a knife in the back and there were supposed to be 5,000 people in the building. He went on to say that he was going to have to lay people off again on Monday. Not particularly gracious about it. Um, he, and honestly, he picked the, he, he picked the, it was a bad opinion and he picked the wrong time to have that opinion. And MLS and the NWSL have since jumped in and started investigations. And on Sunday, it was announced that Deloitte Hansen will be selling um, what we call Utah, what are we, um, Utah soccer holdings. And that includes the Royals, that includes Real Salt Lake, that includes the Monarchs. So it appears that Utah Royals FC will have a different owner. Unfortunately, when you are in the, on the NWSL side of things, you kind of keep your fingers crossed and hold your breath that the new owner is interested in the women's side as well. So Rachel, again, coming to you first, um, kind of a wild week. These, you know, as usual, these things develop quickly. And before I do send it to you, I will add that this was not an isolated incident because as often happens, a lot of things came out in the immediate aftermath that uh, Deloitte Hansen maybe has not always treated his minority players and employees as well as he should over the years. So with that said, um, again, what, you know, how have you kind of taken this in over the last three or four days? Yeah. And to add something too, it wasn't even just his own people. I mean, he was saying stuff about, um, other players on other teams. I remember seeing Kellen Acosta's name came up from when he was at FC Dallas. Um, and it just, I mean, I, I don't, I don't know what else to say except for that was, it's bad. It's bad. It's not good. He, um, he picked the worst time to do it. And just the things that he says, like, I don't think many people that have money understand that words have consequences and you just can't get away with anything and everything like it. Yet money can get you out of maybe a, a couple parking tickets, but it's not going to get you out of making, you know, racist, xenophobic, homophobic remarks, whatever it is. And it just he it's it's a situation where he showed his true colors and a lot of people took action to make sure that he is is out. And I don't even if he wasn't saying himself like, hey, I'm going to sell the team and, and maybe if he was being a little bullheaded, if you will, and, and there was this investigation, I think one way or another, either he was going to be out or the players of RSL, the Royals, and the Monarchs would have all left. Kind of like a going on strike against the team thing. Um, obviously, with NWSL, there's nine, there's nine soon-to-be ten teams, so that's maybe not the most realistic situation, but, I mean, I don't know what else to say. It's just, it's not good. It's, it's, it's just bad, and I'm glad that he is finally 
going to be out. And this is this this truly was a, a real Donald Sterling 2.0 situation from from back with the Clippers. So I'm glad to see players speaking up, not just with the uh, the three teams in Utah, but with teams throughout the leagues, leagues, plural. So um, kudos to everyone for sharing their voice and making their voice heard. Emily, do you have anything to add there? Yeah, um, I agree with everything Rachel just said. Um, it's totally, it's terrible. We don't want owners like this in a league that we love. Um, and it's, I'm glad that, you know, fairly swift action was taken in the announcement of the investigation and, um, you know, his announcement just today that he will be selling the team. I think those investigations need to continue 100%, even if he is gone. Um, and I just want to also shout out, um, I think it's important to mention Ziara King from the Royals. Um, I don't know if you guys probably saw this. It was like one of the most shared things, but she tweeted, she was one of the first players, I think, on Thursday that um, tweeted um, about the situation. And she said, um, and I'll just read one part that I liked from her kind of statement. She said, quote, any player's hope is to be in an environment where, where they are fully supported, not only as a player, but most importantly, as a person. And yeah, I think as a as a rookie on that team, um, that was really courageous and, and great that she spoke out. And um, she was definitely setting an example um, for other players, other players on her team and also in the league. Um, yeah, that was great. And it's pretty wild because it wasn't that long ago that Deloitte Hansen was the hero of NWSL because, right. you know, his, essentially he made the NWSL Challenge Cup happen by opening up his stadium. And, yeah, he made some money off of it because some of the people stayed at housing and hotels and whatnot that, that helped him out. But, you know, he still uh, invested a good deal in that. And I remember being at the first Royals home game which was only what 2018 and you know there was Deloy Hansen standing there handing out t-shirts to fans in the stadium and you know he had the appearance of you know the everyman you know owner you know talking you know being down with the people and I you know clearly you know there was more there than meets the eye as there is honestly with everyone you know nobody is exactly you know what they portray in the public but uh, like I said this is the wrong Wrong time to have the wrong take in this particular one, especially. And really, I mean, how many different teams didn't play games between, you know, the NHL, the NBA, the WNBA, Major League Soccer, tennis took a day off. And as far as I know, Deloitte Hansen was the only owner to comment at all other than complete support for the players. Now, I will give him that not... Most of the others didn't have fans get turned away, but even still, he is the only owner that I'm aware of that didn't that wasn't 100% behind uh, his team. And NFL teams, by the way, and you know how crazy the NFL is. They NFL teams canceled practice, and coaches were behind those players. So, yeah, yeah, know. more more concerned about his wallet than um, than anything else. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. And. You know, he did take a leave of absence before he said he was selling. So um, it's not clear to me yet that, what that means for the Royals. But, 
you know, we can transition here, I guess, into the fact that, yeah, there are going to be NWSL games. Um, you know, I can't remember the last time there were women's soccer games in a domestic league in the United States. And I was actually, I don't know if I want to say disappointed. I mean, I'm happy for the players to be able to convene and play. And I'm happy for the, you know, the down roster players who are going to get to play because others are off in Europe or, I, you know, I think we're going to get some opt-outs here. But, um, you know, these are basically friendlies with teams grouped in, in pods of three. And it looks like there's no schedule out yet. Big surprise. Um, you know, very NWSLE in there, but it looks like Spirit and Sky Blue will open in Washington on Saturday, and CBS is going to show the game. So that's uh, you know, it's, I guess for the most part, it's good news. I'm just personally not, you know, I, my pom poms are are not out. Let's put it that way. I, now I've just got an image of you cheering on the side. <laughs> You've never seen that happen before. Oh, I've not, no. and I now I need to now I need like photographic proof. <laughs> yeah, I missed that on the uh, on the Sky Blue broad, broadcast there, Dan. <laughs> when we're all allowed to travel and be together again, I will take my pom poms. You can both see me cheering on the side. <laughs> but I'm, yeah, I'm excited. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Emily. Oh, no, I was just going to say it is nice to see um, definitely that we'll have a game every Saturday on the CBS main channel every Saturday in September, I think. And then um, on the CBS Sports more specific channel, I guess, in October as well. But that's a little bit of a jump from what we had with the Challenge Cup. So that's always nice to see. Yeah, my hesitation on this is that and maybe they'll get good time slots, but when, you know, remember all the commotion because people were saying, well, MLS was the first league back, and then, you know, well, no, actually, it was NWSL. There wasn't a lot going on then. The amount of sports that is on right now is mind-boggling, and I don't know how well you're going to be able to sell this to the non-soccer fan, especially with most of the big names probably not there. So that that's my, you know, that doesn't mean they shouldn't play the games. I just, you know, I don't know that it's going to be quite as successful as the Challenge Cup. Like numbers wise or Yeah, num numbers wise, general general interest wise, you know, you're not building up toward anything. It's just kind of a, you know, a series of of friendlies. And they're also, you know, they built up a lot of goodwill by having no confirmed positives in the Utah bubble. And they are putting that on the line a little bit because if they start to get, yeah. you know, positive tests and have to start postponing games, mm -hmm. that will that that'll be a bad look right. for them. Yeah, definitely still still risky for sure. Yeah. Yep. Also, Emily, I don't know if you wanted to um, talk about you know the, uh, the players put out a statement. I don't know if yeah. Yara can come and cover that, or sure. you want to say more about that. Yeah. So. Um... The black player, players of the NWSL released a statement on Saturday. I'm sure um, a lot of people have seen. It was like a two-panel statement on Twitter. Um, and, and again, they denounced Hanson's comments and um, supported Zara King as well. Um, and this was shared by not all teams yet, as of when I checked a little bit after the uh, Champions League final. But a lot of teams have shared this, um, recognizing the group and showing their support. Um, 
But again, I think this just brings us back to kind of the Challenge Cup conversation. And there was a lot of conversation then and afterwards in August around kind of the exhaustion, not only that all players felt, but specifically the black players of the NWSL felt um, having conversations with their teammates. Um, For example, we were saying Midge Purse um, was interviewed by um, former U.S. national team defender Danielle Slayton on U.S. Soccer's YouTube channel. And she specifically said, you know, it was exhausting. And some of the conversations with her teammates were very concerning. So my question is, um, in this fall series, kind of what supports will the league have for these players? Um, You know, will they be more supported than they were during the Challenge Cup? Um, I hope the answer to that is yes. Um, I guess we'll find out. That's a great question. I imagine the league's quick response to the Deloitte Hansen situation maybe helps a little bit. Yeah, you know that doesn't help the day to day discomfort that players may feel, but I imagine that has to help. Right. Yeah. Uh, Hopefully, we get some more specific details. You know, in the coming coming this coming week for sure. Might be a good time to mention that Pardeep Katri is going to be putting together a podcast, maybe a series of podcasts. It's going we it was going to happen sooner than later, but then we decided to push it back a little bit and wait for the fall series to end. But Pardeep will be doing. Um, a podcast or two or three about uh, the protests that went on in the bubble and about, you know, some other elements of what it's like to be a uh, player of color in the NWSL. And who knows what will develop between now and the end of September, October. But look for that and we'll get you more details as we clarify them. Uh, We did get one question on the EQZ pod hashtag from Zandra White. How much do you think the pandemic has set back the NWSL? First injuries, minute limits, and opt-outs during Challenge Cup. Now talent drained to Europe. Are you still convinced NWSL will be the best league in the world next year? Um, I'll go first because I I don't think I've ever said that NWSL was the best league. It's the best league top to bottom. I'm not sure it's the best league at the very, very top. Um, I mean, look, the pandemic set everybody back. I think the NWSL for a little while was actually – the only sports league in the entire country that actually benefited a little bit because of how successful the challenge cup was and some different things that have happened. But, you know, look, Louisville's coming in strong. We added a team in Los Angeles for 2022, uh, you know, with mostly high profile female owners. So, you know, unless the pandemic, you know, scales back up and literally bleeds the league dry, I actually think the league will come out of the pandemic okay and as far as players going to europe i expect most of the national team players will be back um and you know you can't expect marta and amandine Henri and players like that to play here if no americans are going to play overseas so you know some of them might go every now and again but for the most part i think the group of players over here is pretty good rachel anything to add there i mean there was expansion news too this year so i, I don't think it set it back um as much as Maybe some some other leagues, you know. Granted, not all leagues do expansion, but um, but MLS you know, to just push the, most of theirs back a year. Yeah, yeah, which might not be a bad thing, but that's no, for a all, different. But, that yeah. that's for a different topic. Um, but um, I think that you know, no news sometimes can be good news, and then the news that we got was good news. So I mean, I I was pretty um satisfied with 
everything that happened. Emily? Yeah, I agree with both of you. I mean, there are good things happening. Um, all the expansion that we mentioned, we mentioned the CBS, um, you know, games on TV on the main channel is great. Um, obviously, yeah, players are leaving, but like Dan said, I'm sure most, um, many or most will return. Um, and I mean, yeah, you know, the pandemic has obviously um, set a lot of things back, not just NWSL. Uh, you know, when are we going to see international games next? You know, that type of thing. Um, that's a question that we don't know the answer to as well. Um, but given the circumstances, I think NWSL is doing a good job for sure. And I just want to caution everyone. I know there was some consternation over which players were not in the bubble at the Challenge Cup. Please don't read too much into who is and is not at this fall series, it's literally four games. It's against two different opponents. Some players won't want to travel. Some players might have other things going on in their lives or even other jobs they're doing. So, you know, let's take a deep breath. They might not be the best rosters, but if you really love the league, you know, you will see some down roster players at this uh, fall series. And let's see what happens when we come back and hopefully we come back regular for preseason in 2021. All right, Rachel, Emily, excellent job. Um, not sure if anyone can tell, but first time we've all done this together, so thought it went pretty well. Uh, but recapping, Lyon wins the Champions League for the fifth time in a row, 3-1 to one over Wolfsburg. The NWSL will be back beginning this weekend. Hopefully we get a schedule. We always used to joke about, you know, when there was a late schedule, like maybe they'll just tell us every Monday. Now it actually might be happening. Uh, but CBS will have some games and uh, Deloitte Hansen's commentary following a Real Salt Lake postponement, um, which was a player protest, um, has led to him being put on leave of absence and he will now sell RSL and Utah Royals FC plus the USL team. So that's what's going on this week for Rachel and Emily, I'm Dan Lawletta. Thanks for listening to the Equalizer podcast. When your entire life is online, you need more than just speed from your internet. Xfinity gives you reliable in-home Wi-Fi coverage, plus protection from Wi-Fi network threats. Go online, call 1-800-XFINITY, or visit a store today to learn more. Restrictions apply.